On today's show, I'm bringing in Luke Askew. We're going to be talking about something or nothing with Dallas Mavericks stuff about Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson, the rebounding battle, the pace of the team, all kinds of good stuff. But before we do, I have to address the situation with Donnie Nelson. So we'll talk about all that and more on today's Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. I don't believe you shouldn't be here. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Joining me today will be Luke Askew. Again, we're going to be playing something or nothing about a bunch of things in the NBA, about the Dallas Mavericks, about Spencer Dinwiddie, game winners. We'll have lots of fun talking about all that. But before we do that, I have to address the you know the Donnie Nelson situation. I had recorded this episode already with Luke, and then the, the news comes out, and so I wanted to address it, and so we're re-recording this. The Donnie Nelson, if you haven't seen the story yet, go check it out on ESPN. And uh, Donnie Nelson is suing the Dallas Mavericks, alleging that Mark Cuban fired him last summer as retaliation for reporting that Cuban's chief of staff sexually harassed and sexually assaulted his nephew during a job interview in 2020. Cuban responded that everything in this is a lie. He did multiple, we did multiple complete investigations, and the only person that did not live up to the standards of the Dallas Mavericks was Mr. Nelson, and he was fired as a result. Lots of things to get into and unpack about this, but at this point, there's a bunch of conflicting accounts in this, and there's a bunch of conflicting things, and there's one specific thing that I want to know about this, and we'll talk about it at the end here. First, the things that are conflicting. First, Donnie Nelson and what the lawsuit says. Donnie, you know, alleged that, you know, there's there's a, you know, a sexual harassment, sexual assault in 2020 of his nephew, which is very close to his, you know, to him, his family, obviously. And that, you know, Donnie Nelson alleges that Mark Cuban offered him $52 million if he would enter into a confidentiality agreement about the alleged sexual assault on his nephew. That does not scream innocent to me, right? $52 million to uh, to be quiet in a confidentiality agreement about the alleged sexual assault. So there's something there. Then Mark Cuban says again that everything in that filing is a lie. That's an official, you know, statement from Mark Cuban. That's conflicting with everything that we just heard. Then Donnie Nelson's nephew reached a settlement with the Mavericks about the incident. That conflicts with what Cuban is just saying. Then Mark Cuban is saying that Donnie Nelson is the only person in the Mavs organization that did not not live up to the standards of the Dallas Mavericks during their investigation into the, you know, sexual harassment reveals of 2018. All of this kind of comes back comes back to that too. So there's these things going back and forth between Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban, which is what happens, which is what happens in these situations. Somebody says this ha- is happening. Another person says this isn't happening. You have to decide who you're going to trust. Well, in situations like this, the Dallas Mavericks brought in Sint Marshall to be the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks and to kind of clean up all the stuff that happened in 2018, to clean up the Mavs organization, to get them back on the right foot. Sint Marshall was the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks when this happened. And she's not mentioned in this story much at all, at least in terms of being involved in this whole situation. That is something that, that is conflicting to me. Donnie Nelson also was fired for this situation and not for job performance. Apparently that doesn't have anything to do with it. And also in this story, it was mentioned that 
Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson were in talks for a 10-year contract extension with, with, with Donnie Nelson. That conflicts with some of the things we've heard about. The reason why they moved on from Donnie Nelson and bringing in Nico Harrison and all that kind of stuff. There's so many just conflicting back and forth things about this in the organization. So here's what here's here's what we what I don't know. I don't know how much to believe Donnie Nelson and the and you know and the the report filed. I'm not fully ready to believe that Mark Cuban has everything put in its place. It's fine. Nothing happened. Business as usual. All that kind of stuff. Like I'm not ready to do that because even after the 2018 situation where they cleaned up everything, Sint Marshall was brought in. There was a couple more you know instances that arose and that were brought to light that happened in the Mavericks organization. They didn't just fix everything in 2018 and it was gone. Also, St. Marshall was put in charge in 2018 and she was the CEO. It's not completely on her to to address these things and fix these things, but I need to know what she's going to say. I need to know what what she thinks about this, what she knew about this, and all that. St. Marshall's endorsement is the reason why the Jason Kidd hiring became acceptable and understandable to me. She endorsed him. She said, all right, this is this is where he is now. He's grown as a person, all that because of his his past. Okay, I can agree with that. So now in this situation, I need to know what, what St. Marshall is going to say about this, what she knew, all that. Because w- until we know more information, that's the, that's the thing about these first initial reports is you get only so much information and you have to learn a whole lot more. Until we get more information, that's the thing that I'm waiting for next. And so I'm curious to see what St. Marshall is going to say. I trust her. I trust what she's going to say. And uh, I trust the way she's going to take this organization. And so that's something I'm waiting for until we learn more about the, the whole Donnie Nelson side versus Mark Cuban side and all that. So that's all we know about this for now. We'll talk about it probably more as more things come up. And until something, But until something probably happens, we won't really address this story, I don't think, until something really happens or comes out and all that. So that's what we know for now. Now, let's talk to Luke Askew, talk about some basketball, and talk about the actual Dallas Mavericks. All right, now, welcome in from Mavs Moneyball, friend of the show, multiple-time guest, Luke Askew. Luke, what a uh, what a day, what a game last night. Spencer Dinwiddie hitting that game winner. It's incredible. It was fun. It was fun. I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, I think that like start to finish was one of, one of the most fun games I've seen in a while, just all around, from a Mavs perspective and from just a basketball fan perspective. It had a little bit of everything. The end was incredible. It was great. The Mavs had a little bit of everything. We're going to have a little bit of everything because we're going to play a game called Something or Nothing today. We're going to each share five things, maybe five, maybe maybe more, maybe less, depending on how long, how long we talk, and say if it's something or nothing. This is all you know basketball-related things for the, for the Mavs. Uh, I'll start with my first one. Okay, we're talking about the Spencer Dinwiddie shot. Since September, this is from ESPN Stats and Info, since September, Dinwiddie debuted for the Mavericks on February... No, did I say since September? I read that. (laughs) Since Spencer Dinwiddie debuted for the Mavericks on February 15th, they have been the best team in clutch. Dallas is 8-1 in clutch time during that span. That's the best record in the NBA since Spencer Dinwiddie has joined the team. Before this, the Mavericks were 12-15. So my question to you, Luke. The Mavericks, before adding Dinwiddie, were 12-15 in clutch games. And a clutch game is any game that is within five points, within five minutes, of the, the game ending. So basically crunch time. Okay. Close game, late game. The Mavs before Spencer Dinwiddie were 12 and 15. Since then they've been eight and one. Luke, is that something or nothing? Um, it's something, it's something. Um, I, I think some of it is a little conflated with Luca's just playing better all around as well lately. And, um, the vibes seem to be better. And I think, I think all of that contributes that the 12 and 15 isn't as concerning 
as the eight and one is impressive, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I, I wasn't too worried about the 12 and 15. There's a lot of weird stuff going on, all the COVID ins and outs and Luca coming in out of shape, all that stuff. I wasn't too worried about it, but the eight and one lately is something. And even if I'm wrong and it's nothing, at least in the back of their heads, they have to feel confident in those situations, which then makes it something. Right. It's all about it's all about how the, like the confidence of this team going into these late games. Right. We, they've had so many games coming back, you know, from down 10. They lead the NBA in teams that have been down by 10 points and then ended up coming back and winning the game. They've tied 2011 for the franchise record of most games that they've been down 10 points and came back and won. Like that is insane. And so that confidence that you're talking about is a trust we talked about yesterday with Isaac about you know, how this team is trusting each other and they're trusting themselves that they can actually come back in some of these games and win. And so that eight and one is, is almost everything to me, like being able to win these games late because they have to win in different ways and they're learning how to win in different ways. And one of those is late in games when it comes down to it. And honestly, some of these games, Luca hasn't shot too well late in games either. It's not like he's just been five of five and, you know, hits all his threes and then the Mavs coast to win the game. I mean, they've had some like, They've had some nut shots in some of these games where they just have to come out and Brunson or Dinwiddie has to uh, make a couple of clutch baskets. So to me, it's something. But give me one of yours. Yeah. Um, so you took you took one of mine. Uh, that was that was one of mine. But um, moving on to my number two, the rebounding problems. So since the Mavs acquired Dinwiddie, same time frame here as the last one, they are dead last in rebounds per game. Uh, the worst rebounding team in the league right now, which makes sense given the lineups that they trot out and the way that they play. But is that something or nothing? Oh man, this it's, it is something right. We can't keep, we can't just keep pushing it aside and saying, no, you know, the rebounding is what it is, but the maps have gotten beat in games rebounding and still win. Right. We talked about that. Even that Nets game, they got beat in the paint and points in the paint. They got beat in like fast break points, bench points. Like they have beaten all these different ways. Rebounding was one of them. And they still end up winning, right? It's one of the reasons why Andre Drummond gets 17 boards in early in the game and only plays 21 minutes because you have to be able to do other things and beat the Mavs in other ways. They're okay giving up some rebounds if it means that they're able to play faster on on, on defense, you know, and, and and run around a little bit more. And um, if they stop you twice off of an offensive rebound, then you know that's that's two stops for the Mavs. Uh, and so it has to be something though because they're gonna they're going to come up with going to come up against some of these teams that um, can can really take advantage of that and maybe hurt you too much to the point where you can't make it up in other areas. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it is it is something um, and it, it's concerning. It's concerning for the playoffs, but but one thing we saw yesterday, like you were talking about with with Drummond, I mean, he looked like he looked like like if you had never watched basketball before, you would say that Andre Drummond is like the best center in the is league. Is that Shaquille like, O'Neal? Is that Will Chamberlain? Like, right? He was like gobbling up the boards, and like he he looked like he was just bigger than everybody out there because he was bigger than everybody out there. But at the same time, they were punishing him on yes, the yes. offensive end. They were Luca was attacking him. He was licking his lips every they put him in switches like every single time down the court. It almost felt like a wash. Like it felt like Luca was going to come down, put Drummond in a switch, score on him, and then the Nets were going to come down and if they missed Drummond was probably going to get the rebound. So it was a little bit of a wash and I think that was kind of a trade-off that they're just 
fine with. And yeah, it yeah. worked out yesterday. Like, I think um, I'm, I'm guessing that internally they're looking at the 17 boards in 21 minutes and saying like, who cares? Luke had 24 at half and he just like penalized Andre Drummond. So, so I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's something, but also there's a little give and take with it. And he was, I mean, he was also, Drummond was a minus 10 in the game, right? So the Nets right. lost those minutes that he was playing in. So it's not like they were out there getting destroyed when he was out there. Um, the other thing is with this rebounding thing is that the Mavs play a really slow pace. They play a really, really slow pace. So if you look at it that way, then all of a sudden, um, like the Mavericks rebounds per game are not as big of a deal because you're, you're getting less possessions anyway, right? So it's, if you right. just look yep. at rebounds per game, you have to look at some of these numbers and say, all right, in the context of the Mavs are not even just the slowest team in the NBA, the slowest team in the NBA by like multiple possessions, which is, which is a big yep. gap. And so you start looking at those numbers and you're like, okay, the Mavs can, you know, they can, they can live with that. Um, all right. Another one for, or coming up. Let's get into Spencer Dinwiddie again, his game winners. He's now had two for the Mavs, and uh, he's up there in the last couple of years for the most game winners. He said when he came in, this is what I do. This is what I did for the, the Wizards. Uh, we'll talk about that something or nothing. I got one on, on uh, Brunson, and then, of course, I got to have one on Josh Green and his play recently, a stat that you probably won't believe. We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Bet Online. Your bracket may be busted already. I thought Gonzaga was going to lose. We're recording while this game is going on. They're up by, like, 14 right now, but if you're feeling lucky on some of these on some of these tournament games, go ahead and head to BetOnline. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline has you covered and uh, will be your source for sports wagering needs, uh, including live betting, your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Check it out. They have all of the tournament games ready for you. They'll have them right up to date. They probably even have next round by the time you're listening to this so go check it out see what's available for you it's bet online where the game starts all right ben let's get did i call you ben all right luke Luke. i actually had a friend named ben ask you that's so weird that i just put your name in for his name i'm honored i'm honored ben was a good guy i met him at like a summer camp one year i'm honored but uh all right luke let's get into uh some more something or nothing um all right, Spencer Dinwiddie, game winner again. According to ESPN Stats and Info, although that was Dinwiddie's first career buzzer beater against the Nets, he was no stranger to clutch shots. Dinwiddie has six go-ahead field goals in the final 10 seconds over the last five seasons. The only player with more, DeMar DeRozan, has seven. That's over the last five seasons. Like You're not just talking about, okay, well, Kawhi's hurt this year. LeBron's team hasn't won. Blah, blah, blah. Curry. You can go make all the excuses you want. Is that something or nothing that Dinwiddie has all these go-ahead you know, shots and kind of game-winning like buckets? It's absolutely something. Um, it's, a, it's a big something. And right now, it's a positive something. Um, I'd be lying if the pessimistic side of me didn't say there's like a little bit of worry that it's going to turn into a negative something. <laughs> Just um, rely on I him think, too much and then. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, the, the rap on Dinwiddie um, and he's, he's really proven all this wrong in the last couple of weeks, but especially like right around trade time and in his time with the wizards and back with the nets and all that stuff, it was kind of like Dinwiddie has such unbridled confidence that like he might wave off your best player down the stretch <laughs> and that's probably what the wizards were saying like this dude like waves us right. off and doesn't care and that's why they probably didn't like him so i'm i'm 
I'm not, but but he does seem to be buying into the culture the Mavs has said. He knows 100%. I mean Luca is not Luca's not Bradley Beal. Luca's not anyone else on the Wizards. Like I think Dinwiddie knows I th- he's a smart guy. He knows who Luca is. He knows it's Luca's team. Um he knows that he's there to be a backup option. And as long as it stays that way, then it's a great something. Um, you need to have kind of an irrational confidence guy that can step up and make a shot like he did yesterday and not be afraid of the moment. And that's incredible. Um, as long as, you know, as long as he's not waving off Luca dribbling, <laughs> isoing on the side, but I don't think, I don't think he's going to do that. So as long as, as long as it stays how it's been, I think it's a great something. Um, he's someone that defenses have to guard. Yeah, he even said in his post game, and he's incredible post game. If you can watch any of his stuff on, I think it, the I think the Mavericks post all of them on their YouTube channel. But he said post game, you know, I know Luca is he's the you know he's the guy. If Luca had taken that shot, even double teamed, we would have lived with that. We would have lived with Luca taking that shot at the end of the Nets game. That would have been okay with us. And so that to me, even just says that. He knows where his place is on this team. He knows where the, the hierarchy of the offense goes. Even when he first signed, one of the first things he said was, "Jason Kidd has told me, you know, I'm the, you know, I'm the third here. There's, you know, start with Luca, then JB, then me." And I kind of wonder if that two three is ever gonna gonna waffle when it comes to Jason Kidd because of how well Dinwiddie has played. But uh, at least in Dinwiddie's mind and what he's been told, what we what we've been told that he's been told is that he is in in line there behind Luca and Brunson. And yeah, if they keep it like that, that's that's a it's definitely it's definitely something to me that he just has that you know confidence in his shot late in the game like that because it was it was just you watch the phantom cam video right like the phantom cam video of of Dinwiddie taking that shot and it was it just felt so it almost felt robotic right it just felt like he caught the ball he did the hop then he ro- rose up Dragic ran over and stopped the pass and then also got close enough to where he was contesting it and then Dinwiddie just pulled up like almost perfect form and nails it right like just rose up just high enough so that Dragic wouldn't bother the shot and puts it in like it there's something to it there's something too that he just has that in his like the ice in his veins like the D'Angelo Russell like I got ice in my veins yeah and I think like um to and going back a beat um to what you were talking about with knowing his hierarchy his place in the hierarchy and how he said post game you know if even if Luca took that shot doubled um like we'd live with that um, I think he was talking with Cassidy Hubbard on the floor after the game and he, he gave Luca all the credit for making the play. He said, that's right, not even right. a play that I made. He said, that's a play that Luca made, um, getting the ball to me. And I, I think, and I know a lot of wizards fans on, on Twitter are, uh, oh, are they're sad. Oh, they're, they're sad very right sad. now. They're, <laughs> they're not sad. having a good they're time very at sad. it right now. <laughs> and they're, they're giving a lot of like, a lot of like, you just wait like it's the honeymoon phase with Dinwiddie, but I'm not buying it. I think I think coming into a team with a winning culture like the Mavs, I think that's going to accentuate all the positives of Dinwiddie instead of bring out whatever negatives there are. And um, I mean, I live in D.C. Um, the Wizards, not a winning culture. <laughs> I love how you looked around when you said that to you. Like, just make sure there's, make sure Ted Leonsis isn't behind me or any of his goons, like, trying, like, sending after me. Like, I just got to check around. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I had to make sure there's no fans around here. <laughs> like, look, he's not going to shoot 43% from three the rest of the season either, right? I mean, we have to be no. a little realistic. He's not going to hit every game winner. He's not going to hit every three. It seems like he is at this point. He's shooting better than he has his entire career. 
He's also playing with a point guard that he's never played with before in Luca and probably Brunson. Like, is Brunson up there with some of the best guys he's played with? It's like Master. Russ, yep. as far as point guards, right? I'm not, not counting Bradley Beal. Um, he's played with Kyrie, I guess. He didn't play with Durant. And then it's like D'Angelo Russell. Like, that's it. I mean, mm -hmm. Luca is obviously the best player he's ever played with, best point guard, best passer he's played with. And so there's something to it for sure. It's something about the ice in the veins. Is it going to continue like this and be this? Is it a little of a honeymoon phase? Sure, I guess. But it, can the honeymoon phase last through June? Like, sure. Let's, let's yeah. do that. Let's do that, right? All right, give me another one of yours. All right. So I want to continue on the same, same beat we're talking about right now, but a slightly negative twist. Something or nothing. The final play again. Let's look at it in a different light. How predictable that play was in the sense that Luca came up he called for the screen to try to get Claxton. I think it was switched yeah, on. Yeah, Maxi comes up. Yep, and Durant knew right away what was going to happen, and so he came over the hard double, left his guy, which was Dinwiddie, and it worked. But so in the moment, like I love it. It worked. I can be happy about it. But something or nothing, how predictable that was—that Luca was going to come up, go between his legs a few times, look for a switch. A lot of teams that don't have guys like Kevin Durant on them are just going to live with the switch and live with whatever shot Luca gets in the playoffs. I don't the know. Celtics the last time he hit that. shot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so in that situation, it's fine, but in the playoffs, you're going to be facing guys with a higher basketball IQs like Kevin Durant, who are going to bring that hard double like that. And yes, Dinwiddie made the shot, but down one is a contested Dinwiddie three. What we want going forward so I'm, I'm not saying it is but something or nothing how do you feel yeah here's it's something and it, the, here's the something that it is it's that Kevin Durant is really dang smart and has played in the NBA for a long time and Dragic is really smart and played in the NBA for a long mm -hmm. time that play could have gone totally differently in a couple of ways so yes Maxi comes up to set the screen on on Luca and then Durant decides to come over and double and trap Luca. They've been doing it all game. Apparently, it, it, that can happen to a superstar, and you don't have to complain about it afterwards. So apparently, that can be a thing. But they've been trapping Luca and trying to double Luca all game. And then Dragic, and I didn't catch this at first. Somebody pointed out to me. I think it was. I think actually Isaac pointed out to me that Dragic didn't come up and try to just contest the shot with just his arms in the air, right? Like right in front of Dinwiddie. Instead, mm -hmm. he cut off the pass. He, mm. So that so that Dinwiddie couldn't swing it over to Dorian because Dorian was wide open in that corner. You can see Dorian's face in the replay. He's just like his face yep. is just like he's ready to catch that ball and to shoot. And we've seen Dorian hit a game winner, right? And so if if not like two, if two of those things go differently, maybe Dorian gets that pass, and then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden he hits maybe the game winner or he misses the game winner. And game, and I mean it's make or miss league. It comes down to you know who's yeah. who's gonna who's gonna hit it. But you either get so you either get. Three things in that play if things go differently. Durant doesn't decide to double, so you get Luca with a game-winning, you know, step back. Okay, yep. I'm, I'm okay with that. Dinwiddie getting the shot that he did, or Dorian getting a wide open corner three, right? Like, so it's mm -hmm. one of those three things. I think they had that, and because you have decision makers in Luca and Dinwiddie that can make those quick decisions like that, then you'll like you'll live with that play, right? Um, and so the something yeah. is that that's the that's the decision that's made, and I think the Mavs had other options on that. So I I. 98% agree with you. Well, what's so the I two? Think, Give me the two. So, so I think, I mean, I think you're right that it's, it's not, it's, it's two guys, Durant and Dragic that read it perfectly, jumped things ahead of time, forced them into a tough shot. Like that's, 
those are two smart basketball players that have been around for a really long time. And especially Dragic, who knows everything about Luca. Um, <laughs> but maybe, and maybe it's this like old fashioned side of me. Part of me hated that we were down one and the ball never touched the paint. Um, I know when Jason like, Kidd has gotten to you. The ball, I know, I know touch the paint. I know. And like, gotta I know touch the paint. as soon as Luca got the switch, I wasn't expecting Durant to come over and double. So I was expecting a Luca step back Yep, and it's, it's fine. It's fine. It might work. It's awesome if it does, but like Luca's <laughs> one of the, don't Luka's, tell me he needs to drive. That was that's not such a conversation. His first two years, he's just one of the best drivers <laughs> in the league. And like, and like, I truly, I truly don't care about it in this sense. Like, um, whether we win or lose that game last night doesn't really affect how I feel about the team. Um, and same with really any regular season game that comes down to the final play like that. Like it's a make or miss league. Like you said, sometimes they're going to go in, sometimes they're not, but in the playoffs and may- maybe Luca doesn't do the same thing in the playoffs. I don't know. I'm just 2% of me. And again, it's only the 2%. It's the devil's advocate. 2% part is like, I really would have liked to see him just try to get to the basket. Cause he's so damn good at it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It would it would be nice. So that's the fourth option then. <laughs> it's either Luca takes yeah. a step back, Luca drives, Dinwiddie gets the shot, or Dory gets the shot. Uh, yeah. Coming up, we got a lot more something or nothing. I got one on Brunson. Got one on Josh Green. Got one on Davis Bertans. Ooh. And you know what? You know what it is. I think. I think everyone <laughs> knows what it is immediately. Talk about all that and more coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about the best thing to do for your body in sixty seconds. It's called Athletic Greens. They have a product called AG1. It's something I use every single day. I started taking it because I want to feel better. I'm always curious, am I getting enough vitamins? Am I getting enough probiotics? Is, you know, is my gut health, I have some you know, issues with my you know, gut health, and I'm like, okay, well, what should I take to fix this? Athletic, Athletic Greens has been the thing to help that. It is 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and more that is just in one eight ounce drink that you take. That's a powder. You put in a drink and you take it every morning before you eat and that's it. And that is the best thing that you can do for your body. The guy that started this was dealing with all kinds of issues and they, you know, you went to doctors and they subscribed, they prescribed into 20 vitamins a day. This dude was taking, so he was spending a hundred bucks a day on all these different vitamins that he was taking. And he said, all right, enough with this. This is too much. I'm going to create something. And he did. He created AG1. That's the product from Athletic Greens. And you can get it yourself. Get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com NBA network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Take ownership of your own health. Pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Get it. It's the AG1 product from Athletic Greens. Also want to tell you about Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're delicious. I try to give the people proof. I ate a Built Bar today. This is the Built Bar Puffs. This is the Churro Puff Bar. Gluten-free, no preservatives, natural flavors, 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, 6 grams of sugar in a bar covered in 100% chocolate with marshmallow in the middle of it. It's delicious. It's great for you. It's the perfect snack replacement. If I'm sitting there going, man, I just need something between meals. I just need something to get me between breakfast and lunch, something to get me between lunch and dinner. I grab a Built Bar. It helps me out. You can get them too. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your entire order, no matter how many boxes you get. Get the one, the assorted one. You can try a bunch of different flavors or just get one of them. Use the promo code LOCKED15. It's the number one five, LOCKED15. For 15% off at built.com. 
All right, Luke, let's get into the last of our something or nothing. We're playing the game today, talking about things on the Mavs court. Are they, is it something? Is it nothing? Jalen Brunson, he's had an interesting year, and I feel like we all try to come up with these narratives for Brunson, right? Like, oh, he wants to get paid $20 million. Do we know he wants to get paid $20 million? We know he wants to get paid, but do we know it's that exact number? Brunson wants to be a starter. He has to be a starter. If he's not a starter, he won't stay on the Mavs. Do we know that about Jalen Brunson? There's all kinds of things about him. Beginning of the year, he started out pretty good. Then he start, Then he ended up starting, right? Porzingis kind of goes out. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. goes out. And then all of a sudden, he's the starting guard next to Luka. The 32 games that Brunson started in the middle of the season, he averaged 17.4 points, 5.8 assists, and he shot 50, 38, 84. So he's, he was scoring better than he ever had. He was assisting almost six assists per game, which was the big thing that a lot of us were asking him to do is to take a step up as a playmaker, and he was shooting the ball incredibly well. Now you bring in Spencer Dinwiddie. All of a sudden, he's playing with not just a secondary ball handler. He's playing with a tertiary ball handler and playing some minutes, um, you know, playing less time on the ball because he's sharing the ball with them. In the 10 games that Brunson has played since Dinwiddie was added, he's averaging just about 16 points a game, four assists a game, and shooting 49 50% from three and 94% from the free throw line. Luke, all that. Jalen Brunson's stats, something or nothing. The drop in assists, obviously the drop in points, the drop in assists, but also the the like he rose he brought his three-point percentage up a lot since then. I I'm going. That's tough. I'm gonna go. You can nothing. pick and choose the stats. Yeah, I think so. I I, I don't know. Like I'm at, a, I'm almost at a loss for words with it because I think it can go a lot of different ways. Um, I think, you know, I think Dinwiddie's brought out a lot of a lot of good things in Bronson. Um, I think the three guard lineup has overall been relatively promising, and his efficiency's gone up. I'm not worried about the the lack in scoring um, or the drop the dip in scoring. It takes it takes time um, to figure these things out, and like those things. They wane, they wax and wane. Um, really, I'm more focused on like the eye test with him. Yeah. Um, and he looks, he still looks good. Like I, so yesterday um, in the fourth quarter, it was really him and Dinwiddie that yeah. the Mavs getting that fourth quarter run was huge. And I, I was writing about it after the game and I was looking at the fourth quarter stats and I thought Dinwiddie and uh, Brunson were going to have combined for like, 30 in the fourth quarter. Like I, I thought Dinwiddie yeah, probably yeah. had like 15 to 18 and I thought Brunson had like 10 to 12 Brunson only had, I think six and yep. they were, it was just three layups, but those three layups felt so big at the time that it felt like he was unstoppable. And I had one of my, one of my friends texted me, not a Mavs fan just said like Brunson is so like just crafty around the rim. And it's, it's those moments that I care about. So I don't, I don't care about his stats as much. Um, the efficiency going up is nice to see, especially from three. I wish he'd shoot more threes. Um, but, and that's a shout out to my man, Kirk editor in chief at Mavs Moneyball, a corner that he is planted. I don't know if, if we're allowed to do that on this podcast. <laughs> no, uh, it's a corner to, that no, he has planted. His uh, he, he's dying on the hill of wanting Brunson to take more threes. And I think I'm with him, which is um, a stark difference at the beginning of the year when he was ready to shoot him into the sun. <laughs> 
Um, we don't talk about that. Um, and so, so overall with the stats, I guess I'm talking myself into it being nothing because he still just looks, he just looks really good. It's, it's, it's something to me in the sense that I think I've said something on everything. So maybe I should, I should have come up with something. that's nothing. It's something in that I think, I think I have personally contributed to this narrative that Brunson has just struggled since Dinwiddie has been added. But I mean, he's had a 19 point game, a 23, a 22, a 23, and an 18 point game. Like he's just had one, two, yeah, he's had three eight point games, a 14 point, and two 14 point games. Like that's it. Like th- he's just had a couple of down games. It's just such a small sample size that they stand out and they came against like that Knicks game. That one just looked really bad. That Jazz game, that one looked really, really bad, right? And uh, even that Warriors game that they won, he just didn't stand out in that win. And so you look at some of those games, and you're like, okay, well, overall, he's only down two points, and yeah. he's and he's only down two assists. You'd expect him to be down two assists. He doesn't have the ball in his hands as much, right? So mm-hmm. to me, it's something in that I should be specifically me and probably others saying that, like, not saying that he's struggling as much as I'm saying, right? Like, I think that's what it is. And uh, and so yeah, I'm curious to see how he does the rest of the season, but uh, and then into the playoffs, that's the big test for him. Always has been. But uh, he's been just as good. And to me, to me, it really, it really does come down to like, I don't, despite those games where he's had a couple drop-offs where it's kind of like, where is he? Um, in, in the moments that matter, I still trust him when he has the ball in his hands. I still feel good when the ball is in his hands, when he's trying to make a play. Yes. Um, that, that feeling, that feeling that you get as a fan, like where you're not consciously like putting a thought into it, but you can kind of just either feel like your heart tighten up a little bit, or you feel loose when someone has the ball. Yeah. The no, was, no, no. Yes. Or just the yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I just feel good when Jalen has the ball. Like I just, yeah. sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but he hasn't done anything to shift that feeling for me in any negative way. All right. Give me another one. All right. How many more, how many more am I allowed to do as many as you want, but we got to go fast. Okay. I got, I got two for you. Um, I'll do one. I'll save my last one. My last one's really fast. Yeah. One more, um, Maxi Kleber, his shooting. Yep, yep. Um, I'm going to read you these stats really quick. In I'll March, tell you, it's something. It's bad. <laughs> in March, it it's looking a lot like my intramural stats. Um, <laughs> in March, 22% from the field um, in 24 minutes per game. Uh, 11% from three. He's only made two. Um, 50% from the free throw line. Oof. Six rebounds a game, three points a game. Something or nothing. Are we worried? I am worried. I am worried about it. It's not. It's not everything, right? So I'll I'll go. I'll go between something and everything, right? Like it's not everything. Obviously, you know, we talked about him on yesterday's show that he can cre- he can uh, factor in in other ways. Also, he's only played one, two, three, four, five, six games in March. So for just taking March numbers, then. Right. Uh, it's still a small sample size. He also doesn't shoot that many. Like he took seven in one game, four in another. Uh, he doesn't take that many free throws, so I'm not really concerned about that at all. Uh, but it is something. He's got to have his three ball has to be solid for the Mavericks to to do well in the playoffs. I I agree. I agree completely. Um, it's it's definitely something to me. They need his minutes. They don't. Um, they can't afford to just like put him on the bench for really long periods of times like they, they need him um yeah he's their second best defender um he's a good rebounder and i mean he's really one of the only semblances of rim protection that's left on the roster right um and so they need him and he has to operate as a floor spacer and i don't you know he doesn't have to be steph curry but 
he needs to not he needs to make more than 11 percent of his threes and i know it's a small sample size but it's it's his confidence too um he doesn't look like he wants any no, part yeah, of shooting it's been awful um like he he hasn't shot that many shots in march but he's had the opportunity to shoot a lot of shots in March. Yeah. I mean, if you, um, you take the numbers back, I'm, I'll take the numbers back to January 19th. So two months, he's shooting 28% from three, right? Like that's, yeah. that's bad too. It's bad. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely going something. Um, but again, you know, if he's the seventh best player on the team or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of my, one of my last ones is Davis Bertans. Um, He's shooting awfully. With Dallas, he's 16 of 55 from three. That's 29%. He's taking a yep. bunch of them. With Washington, he was 46 of 144. That's 31%. So he's actually shooting worse with the Mavs than he was even in Washington, which was his worst year by far. Mm-hmm. Before Washington, before he was in Washington, so like, or before this last year in Washington, so like the years before for the Wizards, the years before for the Spurs, he shot... 677 of of 1,633 threes. That's 40.7%. It's something or nothing that this year has just been the worst year shooting of Davis Breton's career by far, like a huge margin. Uh, definitely something because numbers don't don't lie. And if he makes, you know, if he makes 40% of his threes compared to whatever it is, uh, that's that is a difference. So it's it's something, but at the same time, um, I still kind of like what he brings in a sense of um he's moving constantly he comes off screens he goes baseline he runs along the baseline um he doesn't he doesn't just let stand stagnant um yeah and so i i like i like that and he kind of every once in a while he gets spunky if he grabs a rebound he'll push it he'll go with it <laughs> um, like, what are you doing oh wait no, i know it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> i think i tweeted one time that just like he is caffeine and um <laughs> yeah and i feel pretty good about that um i i don't see him playing in the playoffs really at all besides a few spot minutes, like maybe a couple games he gets in, but um, he's too much of a liability on defense. So ultimately I'm going to say nothing because I just don't think he's going to be on the court anyways. I agree with you hundred percent on that last point. Give me your last one. Okay. Last one. Um, it's, it's, it's broad where Luka Doncic finishes in MVP voting something or nothing. Do we care? I don't. I think it's nothing. I think he finishes fourth, right? But if he yep. doesn't finish fourth or or even fifth, then all of a sudden that may, that could be something. But I don't. I don't think it's anything. I think. I don't think he cares. And so we have this every year. Like, oh, yep. Luca should have been the most improved. Luca should have been, you know, first team. He has been. But um, yeah, it's it's nothing to me. If he doesn't win, if he wins it, it's not going to change anything for the Mavs. So if you're just concerned about end season result, then it's nothing. Yep. Um, I'm with you completely. Um, I just had to come on a platform where I could say that I don't <laughs> care where he finishes. I just want to say that he's my favorite player in the league and I couldn't care less where he finishes in MVP voting. Yeah, and if, it's, if it's four or five or three, does that change his legacy? No, right? No, not at all. Not the at all. The only one that matters and, is two if, if you're yep. not going to win it. Yep. And he's not going to win it. He's probably not going to take second. Um, I truly just don't care. And that doesn't mean I don't love Luca. He's my favorite player in the league, but I just truly don't care. And I just wanted to say that. No, we're out. Last one for me, Josh Green. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky, like little increase in minutes for Jason Kidd. Not for us, because we watch every game, like, and you watch every game listening. Before December 27th, or actually, let's just say, since December 27th, Josh Green has played in all 37 of the Mavs games, and he's averaging 18.8 minutes a game. So just about 19 points a game. He's played in every game. 
and he's averaging 19 minutes a game. The Mavs are 28 and 9. That's this has been their really good stretch right here. Before December 27th, Josh Green played in only 18 of the 33 games, and he was only averaging eight minutes a game. And the Mavs were 16 and 17. Is it something or nothing that this run has coincided with Josh Green getting inserted into the lineup and playing every game? That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know if it's. Dots. I'm connecting the dots here. It's like correlation versus causation there, and <laughs> I I don't know if it's having a direct result on um, the the wins and losses, but I do. It is something that he's playable now. Um, it is it is something that when he's in and has the ball, I don't feel that dread that I was talking about earlier. Right. He used to be one of those guys, and I don't feel that way anymore. And he um, he's always even if he's not getting offensive rebounds, he's putting pressure on the defense um, because he's always going for them. Um, So him, him being able to play and being like a functioning eighth or ninth man is something. Is that the reason they're winning? I would put that closer to the nothing category. (laughs) So here's why I think it's something it's the change to playing the wings more and not going with two bigs, right? Okay. Yep. That's that's what it is. That that's it's not just about it's not about Josh Green, but it is about this change in how they've played, I think, that has made it something. It's something for Josh Green and it's something that Josh Green is playable now and can play 19 minutes a game. That's a big that's a big amount of minutes in a team that's about, you know, fifth in the west right now. Could be fourth in the west. Yep. Like that's that's big. It's something for him in his career, but but yeah, uh, it's 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 nothing if you're trying to draw the line between the Mavs are starting to win and Josh Green played more. Like I'm not <laughs> I'm not Lauren Gunn trying to make that comparison right there. <laughs> Shout out to Lauren. Shout out to Lauren. <laughs> there you go. Luke asks you go follow him on Twitter. I'll put a link in the description of the podcast and on Twitter and on YouTube. Also uh, check out his stuff on Mavs Moneyball. Thanks so much for joining us. Today. Thanks for having me.